This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. It's Tuesday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 92 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. As always, I'm joined by Graham Steele. Graham, how's it going? Good, thanks. We're without Monsieur Baxter this evening. Look, feeling a little bit tired after a city break to Paris, as it turns out. Exactly. Exactly. But anyway, in a week that saw... Dungeon United take one look at Dungeon United's goalkeeping howler last week and said, hold my beer. And it saw Sevco 5088 Limited trading as the Rangers confirm that they do indeed only raise their game when it comes to playing the Mighty Dons. It is another busy one here on the ABZFP as we take a look back at our win over Livingston in the SPFL Premiership on Saturday. We'll check in with our loan ease and loan watch. We'll see how the young team and the Quines got on this week. And then after the break, it is time to preview next Saturday's new firm derby at Tanadice under the lights on a Saturday night. What could possibly go wrong? No comments from me on that one. But first, Aberdeen won Livingston nil Saturday the 25th of February 2023 at Pataudry Stadium in the SPFL Premiership. Two changes to the starting lineup from last week's 4-0 defeat at Celtic Park. Ross McCrory returning from suspension alongside Ryan Duncan with Johnny Hayes and Matty Kennedy dropping down to the bench. Jack McKenzie retaining his spot in the side that also saw Alfie Babbage return to the bench as well. A fairly drab opening 15 minutes, the best way I can describe this, as both sides struggled to find any rhythm or quality before the game burst into life with, well, a little bit of Duke magic, shall we say, as he somehow wriggled away from two Livingston defenders next to his own corner flag on the main stand, Richard Donald side. Burst up the park, found Miofsky, who then fed Ramadani, and his cross was nearly met by the Cape for Dane, who'd continued his run at the back post for what would have been, quite possibly, a goal of the season contender. The Dons then settled into a little bit of a groove, a number of corners in quick succession coming and going before then. Livingston had a little period of play. Horter in goals, of course, that's his, the correct pronunciation. Who the knew? Who knew? Who knew? Exactly. Hotter. So we're going to use that lots tonight just to, you know, fucking correct ourselves from previous weeks. Nearly caught out with a Livingston corner on 39 minutes as let's blame the wind appeared to catch it and bring it goalwards. Hotter nearly turning, provided a couple of minutes later a great raking long ball, finding the onrushing McCrory who beat the Livingston offside trap and bore down on goal. Only a great block by, I nearly said Mikey Devlin there. Not Every Mickey time Devlin. I see Devlin or hear Devlin, I'm always, oh, Mikey. Oh, no, wait, that can't Nicky. be Nicky. Nicky Devlin, yeah. Uh, who stopped McCrory getting an effort Is there a Cammy Devlin out there as well? Yeah, yeah, uh, Hearts. Yeah, a little scrope bag who plays as a midfield for Hearts. <laughs> oh, obviously, plays for Hearts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just as though it looked as though this game was ebbing towards halftime, goalless upstepped. Boyan Miofsky to fire the Dons into the lead. A Clarkson corner recycled by Duncan and Ramadani on the main stand side before the youngster fired in a brilliant cross met by Pollock in his knockdown, finding Miofsky, who lashed home high past Shamal George from the corner of the six-yard box for his 15th league goal of the season, his 17th in all competitions. A real moment of class from the Macedonian striker. Into the second half, let me say with two halftime swaps, seeing Graham, your favourite, Jason Holt, coming on the park, alongside Morgan Boys, on for Bradley and Sean Kelly's Livingston switch to back three moving Nubly up top with Bruce Anderson. And it was the visitors who came out the gates quicker. Nubly's curling effort, which was goal-bound, had beaten Horter. All ends up, but Angus MacDonald on hand, the stoop, and nod the ball off the goal line. MacDonald then should have had the Dons 2-0 up 
just on the hour mark as he rose unchallenged to meet a Clarkson corner, but his header sailed harmlessly over the top of the bar. And Aberdeen Angus involved again a minute later, coming in across to make a great block on Bruce Anson as he was bearing down on goal. McDonald's little fist bump to the red shed after this one, just showing what a clean sheet meant to our new defensive lineup. And from that point on, let's be honest, this game just petered out. The Dons doing well to match the living work rate and Captain Graham Shinney well up for meeting some Livingston shithousery with some of his own. The Dons seeing Hayes on for Duncan, Watkins for Miofsky and Coulson for Duke as the clock ran down. Finishing 1-0, a much-needed win, a clean sheet to boost. And the Dons leapfrog the Livy Lions into sixth. Just now, two points off fourth. The European march is back on again. Graham's shaking his head in disbelief, and that will come in a minute. On the data front, possession 51% to 49% in favour of the Dons. Shots 12 to 6. Shots on target 2 to 1. Expected goals 1.08 for the Dons to 0.43 for the Lions. All in all, Graham, uh, you weren't here last week, um, but I think a game that played out the way that we expected and we predicted Livingston determined, hard to break down, all the usual um, adjectives you'd use when talking about Livingston. A game, though, that we've really struggled to deal with in the last few seasons. So when a clean sheet, or massive positives here, even if the overall performance itself wasn't exactly what you'd call vintage. I totally agree. I mean, I, you know, we had, the performance is not the most important thing from my point of view on a Saturday. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, obviously you want the three points and if you get some fancy football, brilliant, but all you really need is the three points. But I, yeah, I agree. We need the points and it's, well, I was going to say it's teams like Livingston. It's actually a lot of teams where we just haven't been competitive for quite some time in terms of we don't match their work rate. I mean, I think simplistically, I would say we have better players than Livingston. So if you can match the the work rate and don't give them space and shut them down, your superior players should then start to be able to impose themselves in the game. And didn't maybe see that the way we would have liked them and it wasn't a dominant display. But like I said, we got through it and... I think there's enough evidence to, su- to suggest that up until relatively recently, we, we wouldn't have come out of that game with probably anything, never mind the three points. Starting lineup saw Ross McCrory and Ryan Duncan coming in for Johnny Hayes and Matty Kennedy. Um, I think both Gavin and I were calling in last week's show, show for Hayes and Kennedy to be dropped. Um, it's easy, hindsight 2020 and all that kind of stuff, but it seems like the right call. Yeah, uh, um, I don't really rate Matty Kennedy, so I'm not, I think he's had somehow a longer stay in the team than he should have had in Hayes, as much as Hayes has been brilliant for Aberdeen. And he has had flashes and or games this season where he's been able to wind back the clock. I think it's just it's like a season too far. You know, you're not going to get prime John Hayes week in, week out. So I think none of those guys being in the team, I think is fair enough. We've we've got better options out there. And we looked a lot more comfortable, I thought, anyway. Um, we went with the kind of four... 3-3-4-2-3-1 set up. Um, I think we look way more comfortable once again in that shape rather than the three at the back that we've gone back to since Barry Robson's come in. Surely now is the point to stick with it. I could kind of understand why we went with the three to begin with when McDonald and Pollock were new in the door and they maybe needed somebody alongside them just to help out. But that's been, it'll be nearly a month now um, that McDonald and Pollock have been in the door. You'd like to think that they're, and it, and it showed at the weekend, I think, that they're building that relationship Sure to Christ, we don't go back to a back three now unless we absolutely have to. I don't see how you can say anything like that with <laughs> any degree of confidence the way this season's gone. It's like, a, a, I don't know, a lottery or a tombola as to what defensive formation we'll be putting out. You'd think you'd look at that and say, I mean, Livingston maybe not prolific over the course of a season, but they've done a number on, on us quite a few times over the last few seasons. So yeah. it is quite encouraging to get the clean sheet and, you know, by and large, look pretty resolute, which, you know, if it was me, I'd probably be looking at it thinking, well, that is a big improvement. Why would you Why would you change it? And also the more time guys get to play together in a system, you know, you just get a feel for who's going to cover you, where you might be exposed. So I just feel you you just get, a, it's much more comfortable for people to be doing the same thing week in, week out than not necessarily knowing what shape you're going to get. So I'd be inclined to stick with it. It's worked well for us in the past, so I don't see why it wouldn't work well going forward, especially when it would appear, albeit with relatively small sample size, January signings are probably an upgrade on what we had defensively before. So stick with a decent shape. You've got better players to implement it, hopefully, 
the defence isn't quite as comical as it has been. And it's been pretty fucking comical, hasn't it? It has been pretty fucking comical, agreed, yeah. which is not a great statement of affairs. Absolutely not, absolutely not. Um, there was not a lot to talk about really in the game in terms of, you know, attacking play, which was brilliant. Um, so let's just talk about the goal. A fine finish. Um, after the game, I saw loads of folk again who, through the game, had been bemoaning Miofsky. Um there was one person, individual, who I'm not going to name because I think it's really harsh to do it. But, um, you know, perhaps Miofsky being a bit keen to hit the deck under pressure from defenders and everything like that. But if you, anyone who can't see what Miofsky brings to the team has to be watching a game with their eyes closed. That still doesn't mean you can't get frustrated about people <laughs> chucking themselves to the deck. Like you see it with Duke and that, um, sometimes it frustrates me because there's no there's no need for it. And you don't... You don't get it that often. You, you don't get it off that often. That, that is absolutely fair enough. I think what you end up seeing a lot of the time was there's players who are desperate to try and get the ball up the park and they're just trying to buy something off of a defender, off of a referee if they can. It's, it's more desperation because they're not seeing enough of the ball. But anyway, let's talk about the goal itself. A fine finish um, that settles the game. 15 goals in 27 league games now. That's a better than a goal every two games. It's, it's a goal every 143 minutes at the moment for, that he's been on the park. Currently bearing down on 20 league goals for the season. He'd be our first striker since Adam Rooney in 2015-2016 season to do so. It's been a very positive season for Boyamelsi, but just talk about the finish itself, Graham. A really classy bit of work from our North Macedonian number nine. Yeah, because uh, I don't think that don't think that's easy. I, I mean, I, I imagine more often than not what you probably see is the laces, and that is in the top deck of well, the red shed as I'm obliged to call it, not the murky. I, I don't yeah. think that's an easy finish at all, but. It looks so composed as if he's just sort of run-of-the-mill cross and finish. Uh, really, really good to see. And, you know, we have seen him generally, you know, he's missed chances like, like all strikers will. But in general, his finishing has been quite calm and composed. And he scored quite a number of goals where I'm screaming at him to take a shot because I'm nervous. But he, he just waits for that moment or waits for the ball to sit right, knows he's got the time and finishes it. And that's kind of an example of a guy who's obviously got the technical ability, but that composure as well so really really good and that again it's bits like that Saturday's probably a good example you're going to have to match them with the work rate which we haven't always done but I felt we were much better with that and then I mean, with the greatest respect to the Livingston players they don't have a player of that quality so fine margins like that are what are going to decide tight games it was just satisfying that uh, we were able to decide that game through pieces really really good skill Absolutely. And I think a lot of credit has to go to Ryan Duncan as well, actually. And, and Matty Pollock, because Ryan Duncan does really well to recycle the corner. Him and Ramadani link up really well. It's a really good ball in from Ryan Duncan, who I thought had a pretty decent game on the whole um, on Saturday. So I'd, I'd expect him to remain in the team as well for next week. Matty Pollock does well, gets up there with Abelai. Obelai, uh, sorry. Obelai to, um, to challenge for the header. I'm not entirely sure which one it actually comes off of. But again, it's a good thing. And we'll, we'll come to McDonald and Pollock in a minute. There's a little bit of attacking threat now with our centre-halves as well when they go up the other end of the park, I feel. They've got that height and presence and physicality about them. And also good as well to react to it. Brilliant. Duke, again, we keep on talking about him, but showing his worth once again. No goal during the game. No real efforts on at goal either. But his ability to win the ball and manoeuvre his way out of tight spaces is priceless in terms of just how it allows us to get up the park. Absolutely. And I think just that... I, mean, I don't know how you defend against him because you know you can get tight and he'll do some sort of moment of genius and get away from you. You won't catch him, but if you stand off him, he'll still probably do something and you won't catch him. So he must be a bit of a, a nightmare to to play against. And I love, I really, really do enjoy watching him. I know sometimes it's a bit frustrating when eighty percent of it's ace and then there's a stupid pass or something like that. But I'm, I am enjoying watching him, and I agree, you need. Sort of live wires like that again. That's the kind of thing that can sometimes make a difference in the game. Like that moment you referred to the, earlier on, where he's down at the corner flag between the main stand and the RDS, a little bit of skill, and then out of nowhere, that's a move that he almost finishes. Yeah, and that is just so important in games that I mean, probably in games anyway, but you know, maybe games that are, are tight. There's a little bit of skill like that can unlock the opposition. So yeah, I know you mean maybe didn't. You know, if you don't see the game, you don't see his name on the score sheet or anything, you think, oh, what did he do? But I think most games he's doing he's doing plenty to warrant being in the team. And I would like to see him get back in a goal trail again, actually. Yeah, it would be good. It's been, um, it feels like it's been a couple of weeks now since he scored last. Um... I think so, which 
considering arguably his role in the team and maybe what we thought we might get from him this season in terms of number of games isn't a huge criticism, but he's not doing better. It was Motherwell, actually. It was Motherwell, wasn't it? Was it Motherwell? Motherwell. Yeah, 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 I, mean, I yeah. think you're right, actually. It's, it's, not, like it's not been that so long. long ago. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been that long, but I think that's probably a sign of just, well, sort of how highly I would rate him, that that yeah. feels like a bit of a, a drought, even though players have made a career at longer droughts than that. Absolutely. He feels like a nightmare kind of player to play against, doesn't he? You just don't know. Because uh, it's that thing, so I'm not entirely convinced sometimes he knows what he's going to do. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But again, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying watching it. And I, it's nice to have someone just that unpredictable and just that willingness to try. Even sometimes just the, it's this skill to do it. But you know, like the, earlier on in the season, the goal against Ross County, it's the thought process of the balls bounced up rather than panic. So oh, I could just think it over the guy and then finish it. You know, yeah. that that's what I'm really enjoying. So um, long may that continue. Absolutely. Um, Graeme Shinney, I thought probably his best game he's had in a red shirt since he's come back in January. I know that on his return against... Who was it now? I can't even think who it was. I can't even think. I'll need to go back and look now, but it felt that game he'd done all right, but I thought I thought Saturday was probably the best he's played been. They did have a good game as far as came back, but maybe tended a little bit with the fact that it was Shinney and there's a bit yeah. of a... Uh, Sort of element of the occasion, maybe because it was pretty good and popular first time round. But St Johnston wasn't it? Johnston, yeah. So yeah, I think that's yeah, just shows what he can do, and hopefully, maybe the team starts to settle down, or it's clear. You know, Robson's clear with him what he expects from him, and Jenny's clear on what he needs to do, which is probably just see that see the way you played the first time you were here. <laughs> Let's yeah. make sure you do that again. Um, so it might just take guys a little bit of time to settle down, but yeah, that that's more what you would. Want and to be honest, you would tend to expect he was pretty consistent in his first spell in terms of the performances he gave. I think as well, I don't know. It, it felt to me Saturday was the kind of game that Graham Shinney relishes. Like there was a, it was a battle. There was like any like you know Livingston weren't particularly dirty or anything like that, but it was a, it was a battle. There was a few tackles flying in. It's the kind of game I think Graham Shinney enjoys getting involved in. And, getting the opportunity to kind of noise a few people up as he goes. And so maybe that might just be the kickstart as well. We need to see from Graham Shinney's perspective. Jay Horter, we touched on him earlier on. I'm just going to touch on him because I just want to use his name again. Nothing much to do, but a first clean sheet for him uh, since he joined the club. So he'll be pleased with that, obviously. Yeah, and anyone associated with Aberdeen defence, if the summation of their <laughs> performances has nothing much to do, great. That in itself is a step forward. Absolutely. And I think that for all we've talked there about like Miofsky, for all we've talked about Duke, I felt that the win on Saturday was came off the platform of the back four, who I thought across the piece all did very well. Ross McCrory came back into the side after his uh, two-game suspension. I thought he did a good job at right back. I thought he played well, showed that drive up the line again. Maybe, just maybe, we might settle on a position for Ross McCrory. And maybe after all this, it is actually right back is where he's best played. I feel like I'm never going to get to see him in, mid, in midfield. It's just I'm adamant that's his position, but it's obviously not going to happen. So you'd want him in the team. You don't want. He's not. A, I'm not convinced he's a defender. He's certainly not a central not defender. So I would rather have him there because we've said this before in games where he he's had decent games. He's you know he's got decent pace. He's strong. He's skillful. You know that uh, that run where he beats the offside trap is a good example. Yeah, of him demonstrating all those attributes in general, I, I do like him. So you would want him in the team. It's good to see him have a good game because um, it's not really had a vintage season. So maybe a run in a position that he can just kind of sort of get into that mindset of I'm playing there every week rather than going on where I'm going to play next Saturday might just settle him down as well. I mean, he's also I mean, he's he's not old, but he's got a wealth of experience. So again, I feel like we probably want that when you've got a relatively inexperienced keeper, for example. Yeah. Um, your Pollock and McDonald are actually, you know, there's reasonable experience in there, but we think we could times we've suffered maybe from a slightly inexperienced defence. Yeah. So yeah, good good to see him back and good to see him performing well. Jack McKenzie kept his place in the side as well, although this time playing as a left back rather than uh, on the right hand, on, sorry, on the left hand side of the back three. And I actually thought he did. Fine, Jack McKenzie. I know Gav's not a big fan of Jack McKenzie. Um, 
I think probably the two of us have probably got our doubts as well about him. But I thought he I thought he was solid enough. Again, it's one of these games that Livingston didn't offer a huge amount in an attacking threat. I thought he handled for a while in the first half, Joel Newbley peeled off onto McKenzie. And I thought in the main he, he handled that all right. I mean, Newbley's an awkward kind of player to play against because he's so big, he's got a decent touch on him. He takes the ball in and kind of keeps you away, just you know, arms and everything flailing everywhere. But I thought McKenzie kind of stuck to his task quite well. And again, he's probably done enough there at the weekend there to at least stay in the side for another week, I'd suggest. And hopefully now he can get a, get a run of games as well. Because he's a player who's struggled big time with injuries. He never seems to get a proper run of uh, run of time in the, in, the, in, the, in the first team. Yeah, I suppose combination of injuries. And even then, the, the games maybe has been fit. He seems to get shunted around. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't really know if he's... Like half of our defense, like, I don't really know what their position is. We'll just put them in somewhere. So, I mean, I'm pleased to see him have a solid game. There's a bit of me, I don't really know if it's going to happen for him. You know, I feel like he's at a stage where you're almost at that sort of make or break. He probably should have played a lot more football by now. Yeah. And the longer, you know, the longer he doesn't, either through form or, you know, or if it is injuries, just kind of means that it's probably, probably running out of time to make it happen at Aberdeen. So, Good to see him have a decent game. I would agree there's no... Didn't do anything that makes me think he should be booted out. Because, again, that's not a great message either, is it? If you come in, no. do a job, and you get booted out. Because I don't think... I'm trying to think who we've played there in the past. I mean, Coulson's been up and down. At times, I've really enjoyed him. Other times, yeah, he's been pretty shit defensively. Yeah. So he's played there as well. Yeah, like really. nobody's really made that their own. And no. actually, there's n- I'm not clamouring for anyone to go back in at McKenzie's expense, basically. Well, I think the thing now as well with Coulson, of course, is that I think earlier in the season, a lot of us looked at Coulson and I think uh, Coulson, I think technically is a very good player and going forward, he, he certainly carries a threat. Defensive work is leaves a bit to be desired. But I think I was always kind of keen to see what we could do with him because I thought there was a really good possibility that we might be able to pick him up in the summer. Because um, I, I, all the, you know, all the signs seem to be that he'd be leaving Middlesbrough. Um of course, he signed a new deal at Middlesbrough now, so he'll be going back to the Riverside in the summer. He won't be staying at Aberdeen. So it, there, there also becomes that point, doesn't it, where you're like, well, if it's a choice between McKenzie or Coulson right now, it's probably better to give McKenzie, who is our own player after all, the chance to really try and develop in that role, make it his own ahead of next season rather than developing yeah. somebody go back to the English Championship. I think that's, yeah, I think that's fair. Coulson's a better footballer, but I think overall... Yeah, he's probably annoyed me more more often than not most defensive deficiencies. So I would tend to agree. Why would you? Yeah, you're obviously playing him when he was out of contract with a view to maybe he will sign. Yeah, but that opportunity's gone. So I agree with you. I don't see the point of keeping McKenzie out of the team just for someone who's going to go back and play from yeah. elsewhere. There might be there might be tactical reasons why you do it in some games coming up. Um, yep. Just like depending on who we're playing against and where you feel that that's the more fitting way to do it but I'd rather now see you know us try and put some faith in Jack McKenzie and see whether he can or can't do it and make yep. a call between now and the end of the season um, on that basis yeah no I, w- I would agree with that I would think that makes more sense for the future of well for the club rather Angus McDonald and Matty Pollock I think they deserve a lot of credit for the overall win at the weekend Angus McDonald in particular in this fixture I thought was immense um, if only we'd had this level of competence in our back like all season then I think our season right now would look a lot different I think because from an attacking perspective we're right up there in the league I think we're the fourth highest scorers in the league at this moment in time that's despite the fact we've only scored I think nine goals on our travels we'll, we'll talk about our issues on the road later on again but do you think possibly now with having what appears to be a, a relatively solid centre-half pairing who are capable of doing effectively the basics in Scottish football well, maybe this might give us a little bit more confidence on the road now to actually go and express ourselves in forward areas a bit more. Because that's where we've been lacking all season. It's our away form that's killed us and is going to be what effectively holds us back this season. Yeah, I was going to say having a solid defence and not conceding really early away from home gives you a good platform, but obviously we conceded really early last week and it yeah, didn't yeah, go yeah. too well. For us, but in general, I take your point. If you're if you're not basically starting the game at minus one effectively by shipping one early on to yep. the point where the game plan's almost at the window, surely. But I still maintain we've got decent players, so 
a solid base to build from allows us to get into games. I still think we've got better players than most of the other teams in and around us. So, yeah, you'd like to think. Because if we could start putting together, you've not got that much left of the season, but I don't know, a handful of away wins probably being really optimistic, but yeah, that would transform your season. Because you're right, that's absolutely killed us. Despite the nonsense, defence, etc., the home games and the amount of goals we've scored yeah. kind of kept us in the in the hunt, as it were, for well, realistically fourth. So if you could just get a few extra results on the road, that might just get you over the finishing line. Yeah, I mean, our home form still is is great. We, we've still got the third best home form in the league as we talk here tonight. We've we played one more game at home than, than Hearts have done, who we're tied with um, on that, but it's the away form that's just going to kill us. But on Angus McDonald, um, really good performance. Matty Pollock's one thing, because obviously he's he's on a loan from Watford. He's got a long-term contract at Watford, so I'd be very surprised if we're able to do anything with him permanently in the summer. But Angus McDonald, on a short-term deal here until the summer, has really impressed, I think, in the games he's he's been involved in so far. Should have scored on Saturday, no no question about that. Um, is this one of the challenges that we now have with the fact we haven't got around to appointing a manager yet? Is that McDonald's only here till May um, at the moment on his contract? Do we run the risk that he's putting himself in the shop window now and you know somebody else gonna, is going to come in and decide, well, look at you and sign him up on a pre-contract before we get to a position where we go, actually, we'd kind of like you to hang around a bit longer as well? There is that risk, but to repeat myself, the lack of a manager shouldn't stop the signings. Of course not, nope. So theoretically, it doesn't make a difference, but in reality, I'm sure it will do, even from the point of view of the player, because he might be like, well, I don't mind working under Robson and Agnew at the moment, but you don't know who he does or doesn't like out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I take I take a point, it's... There's never really a good time to be without a manager, but actually when you've got a couple of loan signs, and I mean, Pollock, maybe if it goes well, they might send him back. Maybe. For a period, because he's on a long-term deal, that, yeah. you know, that's maybe me being a little bit optimistic. But yeah, McDonald is probably, but unfortunately the timing and that he's come in doing a decent job, and we're probably not in a position to take advantage of his situation. Um, but time will tell. Uh, that's it, time will tell. I mean, you never know. I, I think... Um... We'll, we'll talk a, a little bit more about the managerial stuff in a minute or two. Um, I, I tend to agree. I think that, you know, with the, if the director of football is doing his job, then we should be in a position to potentially be signing up players now anyway. But I guess in this type of area here, ultimately, the manager probably still wants to have a final say on who's actually going to be in the squad. So that might naturally lead to a delay on this one. It depends, I guess, on where we decide to go with the managerial Searching whether or not we end up waiting till the end of the season or whether it's something that happens between now and the end of the season, we'll wait and yeah. see. Um, Speaking of managerial searches, do you know who's just become available? Uh, Liam Fox is just available. Yes. Breaking news. So let's hope Alan Burrows doesn't have his number. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope not. Um, we'll quickly move on. Top Don for the game on Saturday. The Solar System stuck their votes down. Matty Pollock with 13%, Boyamiovsky 16%, Ross McCrory 22%. But topping out the poll, pretty comfortable as it was, Angus McDonald, 49%. And Gav will say that I always have to get Ramadani in the poll. And and you do. The proof is in the pudding, because Ramadani <laughs> won it worth 75%. Um, <laughs> but for you, Graham, you're top down at the weekend. I'm not going to argue with 49%. That's a crushing victory. Crushing victory for Angus McDonald. I'd go with McDonald as well. Um, the Orkney Dons, who were the uh, the sponsors, uh, gave it to Graham Shinney. Uh, I thought Shinney played well, but I think that's another example of probably not asking the people who've spent the afternoon on the booze to decide on top down um, in the sponsorship lounge. Anyway, there we go. Um, if they'd given it to Ramadani, you wouldn't have complained. Wouldn't have complained about it. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> will we move on? Yes, let's. Okay, dokes. So other news from Cormac Park. This week, little to report. Other than Dave Cormack undergoing successful open heart surgery in Atlanta, he's now recuperating from um, that as well. Touching moment when they decided just to fling an Aberdeen scarf on him as he's in his hospital bed. Give us a thumbs up, Dave. Uh, good to see, though, um, that he is awake, recuperating. Fingers crossed for Dave that that all goes to plan. Um, anyone that missed the last five minutes of last episode will know that that was a slightly entertaining right turn. That, took hold on the podcast last week when the news of that broke. Uh, Monday morning, 
sees the start of the Alan Burroughs era at Pataudry as he joins as CEO. I'm sure there's going to be some lengthy emails waiting for him in his inbox as he gets up and running. And that, I guess it does bring us to the, the question about the managerial search. Clearly, um, it looks as though it's going to be led now by Burroughs, uh, Stephen Gunn and Willie Garner. Um, that managerial search while Dave Cormack recuperates. Are you thinking? Are you expecting anything to be done, Graham, in the kind of immediate future, or do you think this is going to be something that's going to be a bit of a slow burn, and we might still be sitting here in a few weeks' time wondering what's going on? I expect and hope it will be a slow burn. So I don't. There's parts of me I can't understand how we're still in this situation because surely we said before the writing on the wall was there for good when a long time before they sudden we don't have a plan B. I don't really understand how you can run a club or business without that sort of, um, you know, succession planning, whatever you want to call it. But we didn't and we don't. So I don't want us jumping to anything, you know, which again is another reason why that win against Livingston is so important. Just, you know, it's like another week passed without any panic, if you like. Yeah. We get the three points, we move on, just buys us that extra time. So I think this will take a wee while and I think it should, because if it doesn't, then like how how can it not take long? Because that must mean Burroughs is doing something when he's, Employed by Motherwell, yeah. which I can't imagine he'd be doing, or someone has already decided who the manager is and just needs Burrows in to front it up and, and it mean that there's a proper understanding, review, consultation period around what you know what what is the club's setup, what should it be, yeah. what's working, what's not before we then try and get the manager. I guess theoretically, what could have happened, I suppose, in the last couple of weeks is that the shortlist has been getting whittled down into a, a proper shortlist. And they were going to then leave it with Burroughs to run like interview processes and stuff when he comes in. So maybe we have done an element of legwork up until now, and it's going to be you know I don't know ten folk on a list, and Burroughs needs to then whittle that down with with Gunn and Garner into whatever they decide and bring these these guys in for an interview, or try and persuade Possibly. people, or or perhaps the, the the charge for Burroughs will be there's some targets out there who have not applied for the job but are on our list as you know people yeah, we'd like true. to talk to, and you need to go and you know sell it. Yeah, charm offensive. You know, um, I'm thinking about you know managers who are maybe already in jobs, um, particularly maybe in Sweden who have a Spanish tilt to them, who you know need to be persuaded to ditch the Zlatan Ibrahimovic project and <laughs> sign up to the Davy Cormack project. <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting to, to see though. Uh, there's, uh, I think there's a there's a general gut feel I believe at um, Petodre that nothing's going to happen in this area for a couple of weeks at the very least. Um, so any names that you're seeing in the bookies lists as, you know, being touted as favorites, etc., cetera, are, are just the bookies at it. It would appear um, in my head. I, I had always looked at that. Obviously after United at the weekend, there's a, there's a week's gap, isn't there for international break or the Scottish cup, one of the two, um, but it's a week's gap anyway. I'd always kind of figured that we might have somebody new in the dugout for the Hearts game so that somebody would have two weeks to kind of get that sorted out. I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case now with the um, with Burroughs only coming in the door on Monday and then with Dave Cormack's heart surgery as well, perhaps maybe keeping him out of the running for a little bit longer. Um, I guess we'll wait and see, but you're right. The, the result on Saturday buys us way more time again because I think nobody realistically expected us to get anything at Celtic Park the week before. The fact we left there with, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, only a 4-0 defeat. Like, you know, we didn't get smashed for nine, right? At which point there's then the potential panic button getting hit. The fact we're taking along, we are only two points off fourth. I think now we're clear comfortably of the relegation spots. I mean, we're on 35 points tonight. I think last season, St. Johnston ended up in the playoff space on 35 points. But if you look at more recent seasons before that, it's a it's way, way, way down the list. You have to go back in time to find a team who ended up on 35 points being sucked into either the playoffs or obviously the automatic relegation. So I'm pretty comfortable with all right from that perspective. I now. think that's... I'm just looking at the table now. So you've got County and Killy played 27 games, both on 24 points. That's your 10 and 11, and then you've got Dundee United. So, you know, they're, they're averaging less than a point a game. So it's going to have to be some turnaround in fortunes from quite a few teams before anyone in and around us is dragged into it. So it's probably fair to say that's, I wouldn't say you're totally out of the woods, but it's probably less of a concern. You've actually maybe got something to focus on in terms of fourth place for the season rather than looking over your shoulder. 
So all of that is another reason that I think this might uh, take time because there is time. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. Anyway, on that note, we can probably move on to Lone Watch. Uh, Conor McQuennan, no place in the match they scored for him as St. Johnson played at 1-1 draw with the other Saints at McDermott Park. Kieran Nguyenia came off the bench for the final 10 minutes of Wraith Rovers 0-0 draw with Air United on Friday night in the Championship. Jack Milne, another full 90 minutes under his belt and another booking to boot as Kelty came back. Sorry, as Kelty drew 1-1 with Peter Head at Balmour in League One. Aaron Reid and Evan Towler at Elgin City. Another full 90 minutes for Evan Towler. Aaron Reid came off the bench for the final 20 minutes in this one as Elgin ruined many a coupon up and down the land with a 2-1 win at the Rock over Dumbarton in League 2. Kevin Hanratty returned to Fort Martin for Hanratty this week after his earlier loan at Forfar was cancelled around New Year. Straight onto the bench for Fort Martin as they hosted Rothis in the Highland League and he stayed on the bench as Fort Martin ground out a 2-1 win. Fort Martin, I think, are third in the table now in the Highland League. So going... Nay bad out Pitt Medden way. At the shirt, uh, not the squad again due to injury as MK Dons were beaten 1-0 by Ipswich Town in League 1 down south. Dean Campbell had a turn to the bench for Dino and he came off it for the final 24 minutes as Stevenage were beaten again. This time by Tranmere by a goal to nil as Stevenage's season threatens to come off the rails. Now only two points clear of Northampton in the automatic promotion places in League 2. Steve Evans will be frantically searching online for those cheat codes all over again. And then for Vicente Bijouin, not in the matchday squad at all this week as Excelsior slipped to a third defeat in a row with a 3-0 defeat at Groningen. That's no wins in their last six now for Excelsior. They're only three points above the drop zone in the era divisa. Going well, it would appear. Yeah. He was me getting worried that we had that, or they had the option to buy him and it might not be coming back. Might be coming back before the end of the season at this rate. <laughs> Absolutely. On to the young team Stuart Duff and Robbie Hederman continuing in charge, this time for the visit of Motherwell to Cormac Park and Cass under 18 action. Alfie Bavage returning to the lineup after being away with the Scotland under 17s. Lewis Pirrie dropping out as he was away with the national teams under 16s. And it took only six minutes for Bavage to get his first of the afternoon, spinning in the box and firing past Bogan in the visitor's goal. Before the Dons doubled their lead a couple of minutes later, Finlay Marshall following up on a Bavage shot that had been saved. It was three on 15 Bavage with his second of the afternoon before he grabbed his hat-trick with less than half an hour on the clock, latching onto Adam Emsley's through ball, finishing well to make it four as Bavage's 27th goal of the campaign. Show off. Exactly. Half-time, 4-0 into the second half, and it took the young team a whole 17 minutes to notch a fifth. Shocking stuff. Liam Harvey brought down the box. Brendan Hamilton stepping up to dispatch his second penalty in two games. Oh no, a fine 5-0 win. Next up is a trip to Mulgai to face Sevco Youth. My wife from that neck was just gave me a fist bump there. I think that was for Mulgai, not for Sevco Youth, Youth, I presume. <laughs> we'll never know. Dear. Thanks. <laughs> Need to get the divorce lawyers on the phone now. Um, for the women's team, after a week's rest, it was back to SWPL1 action on Sundays. Glasgow City made the visit north with Gavin Levy's side looking to avenge the 5-0 defeat to City in the Scottish Cup last time out. And let's just put it this way, that didn't happen. An extremely young Don's side with an average age of just 19 thumped by seven goals to nil by Glasgow City who returned to the top of SWPL1. Doubles for Clark, Kozak and Davidson and one for our favourite named player in the league, Graham. Priscilla Chinchilla. Sealing the deal for the visitors. Next up for the Quines is a trip to Hibs on Wednesday night before they hit the road again, this time to face Partick Thistle next Sunday. And just a quick one on this one, um, because it was announced during the week that Gavin Levy is going to remain as interim coach of the women's team for the rest of the season. All in all, this season's not gone to plan. I think it's a very polite way of putting it. Uh, The Dons currently sitting third bottom of the league. Um only being protected from bottom spot by Hamilton and then Glasgow women, Glasgow women with, with currently zero points on the board for the season so far. So um, that is what it is. But the season obviously started with a lot of hope, I think, because the women's team had done well in their return to the top flight last season. There was the talk about them moving to the kind of semi-professional model. There was a number of the girls put on to uh, professional contracts. So like so Francesca Ogilvie, uh, Bailey Hutchison, Ailey Shore, Ava Thompson, and I know there's one more who's completely escaped me now. Uh, I want to say Jess Broderick, but I might be wrong on that. Um, and then 
midway through the season. It's, it seems a while ago now, because I think it actually was a while ago. I haven't gone and looked at the dates, but Emma Hunter and Gavin Beath being relieved of their duties. A lot of kind of questions about how that came around. I think, you know, the club tries to play it that they, you know, resigned. I get the distinct impression that they were forced to resign before they were sacked. Um, you would kind of normally imagine that you're only going to do that as a club if you've got somebody else lined up to come in. And from most of what we've heard, it's almost like the, it's almost like the men's team. Um, <laughs> from what we've heard, I think they're really struggling to try and persuade anyone to try and take the job. Um, this is going to be the, the challenge now, isn't it, with that kind of semi-professional model and being as remote geographically as we are. Um, it's, it's a difficult one trying to persuade someone to, to, to make that move, isn't it? Yeah. Just looking from the outside in, probably naively because Emma and Gavin went for Jim be like well mm. that's okay they know what they're doing there is a plan and then there wasn't yeah and results are well obviously you can't extrapolate the previous forms so you don't know what would happen but results were deemed not good enough presumably because that's why they changed the managerial team results are no better or are worse yet remains to the end of this season it's all a little strange and almost it's like a little disrespectful I mean, you would, the stadium would burnt to the ground if you treat the men's team like that. Yeah. Imagine if we'd done that. Um, so, I, you know, that feels a little disrespectful to, to the women. So I know it's a slightly different model in so much as you've got some people did get the sort of professional contracts and yeah. you've got others in the part-time and all the rest of it. But I guess my point would be still one of the bigger football clubs in the division, so you should be able to put the resources in to make that team competitive and that doesn't seem to be the case I guess it maybe is a little difficult to attract people maybe because it's maybe not the same you know you might you'll attract the manager to Aberdeen because they might see as a stepping stone or they're on the way down on yeah. their career but I guess maybe until you can try and make the women's team a bit more of a force and it's appealing to people to use it as a stepping stone maybe it is a little tricky but oh, it's almost like if you've done your homework you'd have known that before you then change that your managerial team with no plan so it's almost as if people don't learn <laughs> indeed and it's it, it, there's also been a few other things that have happened so far this season that have kind of made me be a little bit concerned about where the women's team are heading from that perspective you know um aj meach who's uh you know uh, we sponsor hasn't hasn't played hasn't featured for a while now um which has meant that um hopefully we haven't cursed her with our sponsorship yeah absolutely um I, which has meant sort of that um Annalise McCann has ended up being in goals for a number of weeks now. And she's a very promising young player, represents Scotland at a number of youth levels to date. But it's also meant we've not had a substitute goalkeeper on the bench for a number of weeks now. It came back to bite us a few weeks back against, I want to say, was it Rangers? Was it Celtic? I can't remember now. Where McCann got injured in the warm up, so Chloe Gover had to step in playing goals. Like that's not, you know, it's at any level, it's at any level, if you're playing the top flight of a division, that's, that's not good enough to be in a position like that. Agreed which sort of goes back to it's all a little strange what happened earlier yeah. on. Um, so, yeah, disappointing. I appreciate this might not appeal to as many people as maybe the men's first team, but at the end of the day, this, they're all Dons fans. You know, some of them get to represent the team of Dons fans. They yeah. get to represent the club. So you'd want them to be competitive and get the best sort of resources to do their job. And it doesn't really feel like they are getting that. Absolutely. A curious case this season. Let's uh, We'll keep an eye on that as we wind down the season there. And I think, Graham, that'll do us for part one of this week's show. Do you agree? Yes. Excellent. This episode of the ABC Football Podcast is brought to you by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Siberia is back and better than ever in 2023 with a revamped food menu. And even better, they're offering free area hires between January and March. Head on down and get rid of those January blues by enjoying a night out with your friends on Belmont Street. Book an area or even a table for Siberia's 2023 Burns Supper via their website at siberia-aberdeen.co.uk. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Uh, before we move on to preview 
our trip to Tanadice on Saturday night. Just a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the Beer and Coffee Fund. We see your bread's appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled, fueled in beers or coffee, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. The link is in the description. Shout us a beer or coffee. It is much appreciated. Um, I was going to do the fundraising stuff for the Aberdeen to Gothamer Challenge, but Gavin's not here this time, so we can't do it. But I did update the spreadsheet this week, so I am, I am closing in on the Swedish capital. Um, Gav's got quite a bit to do. Um, hopefully Lazy he had his, hopefully his, his, his walking boots on when he was going around Paris and he wasn't just sitting in cafes with his hair Quaffing coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should say not all of us wear hairbands. No, not all of us. Because I don't have enough hair to get into the hairband. <laughs> which does mean we can move on to the United preview. Oh, okay, Graham, you weren't here last week and we did, we did party hard, which was your choice. I know. I know. I'm glad you made it work, though. That's all that matters. I meant to ask you, were you okay with the way that we made it work? Was that acceptable? Yeah, because I just wanted it in there and I couldn't okay. see how we do it. So uh, no objections from me. Fine. Brilliant. That's all we wanted to do. We'll be back with another episode of... Uh, and Gavin better episode. not come back with any pish about this not being a banger, because it is a banger. No, we were, we were right. Gav was in agreement about the, the banging nature of Party Hearth. It's That's a good. solid 100%. <laughs> Certified banger. banger. Ah, undoubtedly. An an ABZ FP certified banger. That's what you want splashed on your CDs from now on. Anyway. Final. Will we move on to United? Will we move on to United? Let's let's do that. Yes, Um, let's do this. So, Saturday night, six o'clock, Tanadice Park, Aberdeen versus Dundee United in the SPFL Premiership. It's all happening. Two meetings between the sides so far this season. One win apiece. We won't talk about what happened at Tandice last time out. Uh, Aberdeen winning the return fixture by one goal to nil. Boya Miossi's penalty. Sealing the deal in the last match before the World Cup break. Remember that when we were in third place and we were in a cup semi-final and everyone told us it was fine because we were in third place and it was a cup semi-final. Remember those days, Graham? Vaguely. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there we go. United, as it's been well documented in all sorts of bother, coming into this one with no wins in the league since the 2nd of January, six defeats on the spin in all competitions, the latest, that 4-0 hammering at Ross County on Saturday. United, bottom of the table, threatening now to become detached. They are four points behind Kilmarnock and Ross County, although they do have a game in hand over both of them. Now, as we record, Liam Fox has just left his job at Tanadice. Um so what impact that has on what we're about to say now I have no idea um, always good when this happens the press release have you read the press release from United uh, no I haven't I just saw they had gone it's kind of interesting because it's only it indicates it's only Liam Fox who's been relieved of his duties uh, well he hasn't been relieved he uh, has left by mutual agreement well, mutual, well, so he's been told and he's going yeah okay <laughs> um <laughs> But that obviously would tend to suggest as well, it's only him, there's not been anyone else in the announcement who's left, so their their backroom staff appears to still be in place, um, which would... Yeah, that's true, no reference to anyone else. Which would, I think Stevie Crawford's on their um, on their bench, I think as assistant He's coach. got managerial so, experience. He does, he does. Um, so that would potentially suggest that they've already lined somebody up for taking over. Um, the rumour mill will abound in a number of different ways. Um, hopefully it's Charlie Mulgrew for a laugh. That would be hilarious. It would be hilarious. So, but let's wait and see. Like I say, a lot of what we're about to say now could, could just go out the window completely. Um, you know what's going to happen, don't of you? Of course, new manager bounce. Goodwin to come in. Solid, ah, solid doesn't... defensive display from the Tangerines. <laughs> Steals a one 0 victory. I can't see Goodwin wanting this job. Can you? No, I'm joking. Um, I don't think United could afford him. No, I'm surprised they were. Well, surprised they could afford to get rid of the boy in charge. Well, there's that as well. Um, but it's classic team on a stinking run of form. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we'll just bend the manager for our intern up. Right. Thanks, boys. Couldn't have just waited a week. Exactly. Exactly. I'm disappointed with that now because I was all looking forward to it potentially being us for a change who might have sealed the managerial fate of somebody. Anyway, never mind. Um, it's a 6 p.m. kickoff again, same as last time around at, at Tanadice. Uh, the Don's not getting access to the shed this time, although a lot of United fans were threatening to boycott the game. Not that you'll know. Balls. <laughs> um, whether that happens or not now, I don't know, because obviously so much of the ire of the United fans are towards the owners and the kind of sporting director, uh, Tony Ashgar. So it's not easy to tell whether Liam Fox being relieved will make a difference. Well, I think they're still going to be fed up, because I guess you'll have seen, I don't know if uh, this was... The AGM. Like, yeah, and I don't, I don't know if this was just someone's notes of it. 
I don't think but, they were the official. I don't think they were the official minutes of these. But it's yeah. like the themes, and again, yeah, yeah. we've heard it's a bit like our football monitoring board. There'll be no changes, ship yeah. four. Oh yeah, there's a change because your coach is gone. So you know, people, if you're going to say there's no changes, you then can't make any changes. But I think people are still going to be pretty frustrated. So that may or may not still take place. The the boycott because they're in well more of a shambles than we are, which is quite some going this season. Like in any other year, yeah. I reckon we would have been the banter club of team of the yep. year, but yep. United have quite easily taken that mantle this season. Um, they must also have a pretty spicy wage bill, I would think. It just looks some of the names of the guys in that squad, and I think they paid a bit of money to get some of them. I imagine they must be, yeah, they must be spending reasonably well. I think I remember Ashgar came out, and it was when we spoke a few weeks back that, um, United's wages to turnover ratio was like 133%. That's not good. Which is not, well, you're the accountant in the room, Graham, not me. And when you're saying that's not good, I'll take it that that's not good. Um, and they're running at something daft, like 10 million quid's worth of debt as well, or that they're owe, they owe Ogren, the owner. Because yeah, I saw he'd said it's not sustainable, he doesn't want to put any more money yeah. in. But I guess the worry, if you're a fan, is how are you indebted to him and what, what power and or levers does he have to get that money back? Exactly, because uh, so, I, I can't imagine how you get ten million quid out of Dundee United. It jokes aside, how the hell do you get that out of anyone in Scotland? Yeah, well, I mean, like I reckon Aberdeen, you'd probably be able to get that out of them by selling the ground. Maybe current climate. Maybe not current climate, but there or thereabouts, I reckon you'd be. Yeah, what, yeah, I don't know what. They... I'm not seeing that tannadice. It's not exactly in the most salubrious area of Dundee. Let's be honest. What's in Dundee? There's a mm. salubrious area. That's Brody Ferry, but it's not part of Dundee if you speak to people from Brody Ferry. Exactly. Um, anyway. No, I suppose the point is maybe they don't have the same assets that they could sell. So yeah, that, that seems like a, a massive amount yeah. for anyone in Scotland to to owe. So that, yeah, people might still be boycotting because there's a lot of other stuff going on yeah. aside from the manager. Indeed. Uh, United with the third worst home record in the league, only four wins from their 13 home games so far this season against an Aberdeen side who have the second worst away record in the division. Uh, tied with Dungeon United there, um, with only seven <laughs> points gleaned on the road from 13 games. And we touched on it earlier on in the show. We're just simply not scoring goals on the road. We've only scored nine goals in those 13 games. And we've shipped 37 of our 51 goals this season away from Pataudry. So it's... I don't think I've ever known a team like Aberdeen this season to be so Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to home versus away. No, I think that's probably. I can't think. I can't think of a season where we have been. Yeah, I don't even this. just mean us. I mean like across the league. Like, yeah, that's probably true as well. Actually, to be reasonably decent as we are at home. Yeah. To just shit the bed as soon as we leave, like the Aberdeen area, is quite something. Um, like I say, when I looked at that number, I was like, Christ, thirty-seven of the goals. Uh, 51. I mean, that's not, that means we've only conceded 14 at Pataudry this season, which is actually an all right record. Any normal not, season, you'd be okay with that. Well, especially when we've been scoring the goals we have. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, no, I know it's um, it's crazy, which again just goes back to what we were saying earlier. If you could just get even, I think you I want a handful a few of wins. Draws together on the road, you know, like or two or three draws, two or three wins out of the remaining games would make a huge difference to our position. Would. It really would. United's top scorers. Dylan Levitt and Stephen Fletcher are tied on five each. Uh, Dylan Levitt with the most assists for United, just three for the season. Um, even Graham's grimacing at that number there. I could just see it. Goals for mainly coming from open play, 20 against an open play, open play expected goal. So just 14.62, which is a really no num- low number as well. And across that's across the whole season. Across the entire season, they've only been expected to score 14 goals from open play this season horrendous not so prolific at set plays they've only scored two from a set play expected goals of just 4.16 which are both the lowest in the league that'll be I would imagine mana from heaven for Aberdeen to hear that there's a team out there who are horrendously shit at converting from set pieces but wait till we come down the road Uh, three penalties two own goals make up the rest of their goals for defensively the second worst outfit in the league behind Aberdeen United conceding 49 so far this season. 38 of those are from open play against an expected goals against 31.12, which tells you a lot about their goalkeeping. 
and seven from set pieces against a set piece expected goals against a 7.91. So they're kind of performing where they should there. Big problems in goals. Um, Birgitte missing out after his howler last week against St. Johnston. That meant that Jack Newman had to come in for his first start for the club at Ross County. Let's just say that didn't go very well. Yeah. If you haven't seen the first goal, people watch it. I don't know. Ah, crack it open. Between them all. But I don't know <laughs> yeah. what the keeper's doing out there. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Uh, the best part of it is as well, I think Charlie Mulgrew decides to be the big man and take charge of the situation. And I think actually if you just leave it to the keeper, the keeper could just probably smash up the park. Yeah, possibly. So that in itself is quite funny. It's also quite funny that Eamon Brophy's shot is probably going off target till it hits Mulgrew and goes in. It's it's all brilliant stuff. And um, the fact that it was Eamon Brophy is also quite funny because he is garbage. And it's hard to tell, but it's hard to choose between the that one against Ross County and the St. Johnston one the week before, so which one's the funnier? <laughs> It's really the St. Hard. Johnson one is so funny. I th- I think I think that's funnier because of a like simplicity. Because you could just see it coming though from a mile <laughs> off, can't you? You <laughs> could just see what's going to happen here. <laughs> Char- Charlie Mulgrew's central to both of them as well, which is also brilliant. Yeah, so, you know, agreed. I, I don't think Mark Birgitti is going to be back for this one. Um, speaking of which, you could you could buy the Mark Birgitti match worn jersey from the St. Johnson game a few weeks ago for like one hundred and thirty quid. And it's one of those where you're like, <laughs> quite fancy that. Like, as long as it's got the big grass stain on his shoulder, I'm becking it. What I'm talking about a piece of Scottish football history. You've got a piece of Scottish football history. I don't know if you've announced what you're going to do with that yet. Uh, what, the Dan Smith <laughs> match yeah. issue jersey? Yeah. don't know. We spoke about it last week, I think, didn't we? Or maybe the week before? I don't know what we're going to do with that. I mean, I hope you've got it stored somewhere securely because now that people know you've got it. Well, I know. I try to think. I would get that claimed in your uh, contents policy. Ah, it's a special, it's special item. Special item, yeah. Uh, add it along there alongside uh, the wife's engagement ring, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you spent more on the wife's engagement ring than you did on the uh, shirt. <laughs> not sure. Um, let's move on from that quickly. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do in goalkeeping in, in goals. They were, they were being linked with a, an ex-MLS goalkeeper during the week whose name completely escapes me now. Oh, I did see because people were complaining, you know, the club saying there's no money and they're like, well, you can get a guy from the States and take him over and all that. So there is money. So yeah, I did see, but I can't remember his name or what sort of pedigree, yeah. if any, he's got. Well, but yeah, I did see they were after a keeper. MLS goalkeepers are generally quite bad. Like... <laughs> Yeah, if someone's like, we need a goalkeeper, I don't, my default isn't go to the MLS, they're all solid. Yeah. I, I watch a wee bit of MLS and it's, it, the standard's not as bad as people make it out to be sometimes, but the goalkeepers are generally quite shit. Yeah. So if you can't get a game for an MLS side, I mean, John Gallagher scored last night for Austin, you know, um, and John Gallagher plays every week for Austin and he, he looks okay in that league. So I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. How is Ramirez getting on? Uh, he well, it was the it was the first game of the MLS season last night, and uh, okay. he was watching it in a bar in Columbus. It would appear rather than being on the pitch. So oh, it's just going well. I didn't realize Columbus actually Columbus signed like a uh, uh, I want to say Venezuelan, but I might just be saying that because all I can think about is um, <laughs> Ronnie Hernandez. They signed a South American midway through last season for like ten million quid to play up top for them. Um, something Hernandez. It's got it's got a cool name. Um, I get the impression Ramirez has been signed to to sit on the bench. Or the pub. Or the pub, as it turns out. I would be um, quite content if my deal was to sit in the pub. Yeah, so I, I don't know if Ramirez is going to be playing a lot of games for the, for uh, okay. the crew coming for the crew. up. But never mind. Anyway, we, we digress. In terms of style for United, Liam Fox was dead set on staying with that 4-3-3 formation. Now, whether we now see a change for that ahead of our visit... We'll have to wait and see now, given that we don't know who will be in charge. Um, I don't know if Charlie Mulgrew can play 11 Charlie Mulgrews. I'm not sure if that's allowed. Um, although I suspect that'll be his default setting, that or bringing Tony Watt back. Um, I'm not sure. As we saw early in the season, and this has remained pretty consistent, I went back and had a quick look at what we'd looked at for United in the two games we've played against them so far this season. They're actually one of the higher ranked teams in the league in terms of keeping possession itself. Um, they're averaging about 2.68 passes per sequence as well, which places them fifth in the league on that metric. But it's really slow, really patient build-up, which I can't, if, if you go back and listen to our episodes with... Um, oh, I can't remember his name now. It's completely 
dropped away from me, but from the Dode Fox podcast. And then when we spoke to the boys from the Beer, Punk, Rock and Football podcast, they said exactly the same thing. We're, they're playing the ball around, but not really doing anything with it. I remember we, we kind of laughed about how that sounded a little bit like Aberdeen under glass. It's just what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, you'd look at it and you'd think, oh, they're keeping the ball. They must be doing stuff with it, but not really. No. Just getting popped around the defence and then you get closed out and concede. Well, when you see they're keeping the ball, but they've only got an expected goals from open play of 14 this season, that says everything you need to say. It says it's not really going forward, is it? Yeah. it's not, Or they're certainly not creating anything of note yeah. with it. Um, and that's just maintained its, its way right the way through the season now it's still showing that at the moment out of the data that's something that has frustrated the majority of United supporters all season from a territory perspective as well United are giving up large chunks of the pitch to their opponents despite the fact that they're um, they're dominating possession and we'll put the zones of control graphic up again uh, on Twitter when we, when we put the episode out but again if you look at that the areas in red are the ones that the opposition team have greater than 55% possession in and up that up and down those flanks in particular seems like an area that as Aberdeen, you should be looking to punish them next week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so the red is where the opposition have more of the ball. Yeah. So they're controlling it in their box. Basically, it's yeah. And then the grey um, is, the gray is just the neutral sort of 50-50 yeah. type. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you look at that, then that would, you've got all of your half, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Give or take uncontested. You should be able to get down either side of the flanks. Uh, and you'll find them all in their box. <laughs> just smash the ball. So hit them. Just, yeah, no, we should. I mean, I don't know what sort of stuff's going on behind the scenes and how the players will react to the manager having been sacked. But from a confidence point of view, our confidence must be up. I mean, Celtic didn't go well, but we've we've won. Things have generally been a little bit steadier under Robson. Sort of on the pitch and in the stands as well. A little bit. I mean, it's not like it's harmonious, but some of the heat that had been building up before Goodwin was sacked has sort of dissipated a little bit. So we're probably going there in reasonable form. Yeah. And as a fan base, probably happier than your Dundee United fans. A bit more optimistic, I think, about things going forward, I think. Yeah. So from that point of view, you'd think, you know, there'll be a good crowd uh, of Aberdeen fans, as there always is. So hopefully a decent atmosphere. Hopefully Aberdeen can get get going um, from the get go, and then just start to yeah just start to put them under pressure. And also you can maybe have a little bit of I mean I suppose you don't know what you're going to get on Saturday with a new manager, but I was going to say you could, you maybe don't need to be totally defensive because the story of the season says yeah they'll probably have a lot of the ball, but they're not really going to do much with it. So you don't have to necessarily go in there and pack the midfield as such you could be a little bit more adventurous which goes to your point earlier that if you know defensive being a little bit more resilient you could probably t- take that approach to the game anyway so yeah we'll see we'll see what we get but there's enough there to say that we we really should be getting the job done but this sounds a little bit familiar to uh, previous episodes doesn't it it does absolutely it does um just wrap it up quickly on united then no real intensity either in, the, in their defensive work. Uh, uh, passes per defensive action of 15.2 is the second highest number in the league, which means they are the second least pressing team in the league. And even when they do make turnovers happen up the park, only 14, which is the lowest in the league, have ended in shots on goal. And only one of them has ended up with a goal as well. So a kind of curious mix in terms of the way that United are trying to to play so far this season. Like I say, it's all has to be caveated with the fact that there'll be a new man in the dugout um, or on the pitch, who knows, on Saturday night, um, who might you know try to sh- shake things up and change things around a little bit. But Graham, just um, as we kind of wrap things up here, just your thoughts and your kind of predictions, I guess, for the trip to Tanadice on, on Saturday night. I don't know. I was about to say, you've still got to give or take the same starting 11. It's the same squad, obviously, so probably most of the first team players will play. I was about to say what can really change in the space of a week, but then Kettlewell at Motherwell got yep. a couple of decent results instantaneously, so a lot can change in the space of a week. So it's really difficult to know. I think it's really difficult to know what we're going to... Had they not changed them out, I'd be saying, surely we're just going to go down <laughs> there and get the job surely. done. Surely. Surely. I mean, you know, this the state they're in, cut adrift at the bottom we're not exactly flying, but we're in better shape than we we have been. 
really yeah. were consistent. We've been a little bit more resilient recently, Celtic Park aside. I'd have been fairly optimistic, but I really don't know what to expect because we're by no means turned a corner. No, I don't think so. Um, but then I don't know if the Motherwell situation is a slight anomaly. I mean, how often is it that someone actually comes in with a, with a week and actually kind of transforms a team for a cup result? So are you really going to get something totally different to what you've just described as being their season? I'm not sure you are. And on that basis, I reckon we've probably got enough to get through it. Are you going to venture a score? I'm going... The grimace is amazing. I'm going to say that we're going to do it and we're going to oh. do it 2-1. 2-1. There we go. I'm going to suggest the Dons are going to turn it on next Saturday. I don't know why. And it's going to be chaos and it's going to be glorious. It's going to be Dungeon United nil, Aberdeen 4. <laughs> I know. And it's going to be just amazing. Absolutely amazing. I have been drinking, it's fair to say. Um, but I'm, I'm, I think it's all going to come together for some weird reason. I don't know why. It's just all going to come together. We'll we'll vanquish the thoughts of the 4-0 defeat at Tanner Dice early in the season and United will be left well and truly in the mud and it'll be amazing. Well, let's hope you're correct. Indeed. And that, I think, on that bombshell, that should wrap <laughs> up this week's episode of the show. Thank you for joining us and please remember to like, subscribe and follow whatever you do on your podcast player of choice join us next week for episode 93 where we'll find out who was right and who was wrong about our trip to Tanadice. and as it's I think it's international week is it international week or is it or is it Scottish Cup week I can't remember anyway the Dons don't have a game to worry about so it'll be a welcome return either for my favourite game or we might chuck in an interview we've got a couple in the can that are good to go we'll look forward to seeing you then stand free This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds.